Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked, and now it's time to feel good naked. No matter what your body size or your life circumstances, this is Feel Good Naked Radio, and your host is Lar Redmond. On this program, Lar will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond. Welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and I am so stoked today to have Julie Pyatt on the show, who I'm going to introduce in a moment. But I just want to say we're looking at Memorial Weekend. It's a big weekend here in the States. And although we're internationally airing everywhere, I just want to wish everyone the happy summer message. It's a great time to talk about a a plant-based diet, which Julie will be bringing us a lot of information about. But also just to say this is a beautiful time of the year to really get embodied, feel your mind, body, and soul coming together almost in a dance of sorts, which is the point of the information that I provide every week. And I've been grateful for all of your beautiful emails. Thank you so much for that. This is a big treat today to present to you a true spiritual wellness warrior. Julie Pyatt is an author, a podcast host, a plant-based chef, motivational speaker, meditation guide, yoga teacher, and singer. At the core of all of Julie's offerings is an opportunity for an expansion of our perspectives so that we all may realize our divine blueprint or life purpose. My words today are like jumble-wumble. Julie Pyatt, help me out with the words. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for having me on. It's Divine Blueprint. You did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, plant-based, if you say it quickly, it can be hard to do. It's sort of like plant-based, plant-based. And, um, you know, I'm just so excited to talk to you because I work hard to find guests. You're a podcast host as well. And I go out into the world often and I ask myself, where is the inspiration? We're all so saturated with information. There's lots of people out there saying what they feel is the greatest message to be heard. But you are one of the people that I have been following for probably about nine months now. And I am just so thrilled to have time to ask you a multitude of questions. And I just want to thank you for making the time today to talk to all of us. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. And I'm honored to share the path as we all explore different modalities and ways and you know ideologies that can serve us in our own lives. Well, one thing I'd love to start by asking you is, what is your definition of embodied? Ah, well, I would say that it's a is a presence. It's a it's a presence and a and a state of beingness, and where you really, um, I would say, uh, accept the full um, expansive nature of your original divine design without editing and without judging that. So I always come from a place of knowing that we all are part of nature and nature is perfection. And so uh, if nature created us, then we are perfect for the very fact that we exist at all in a body at all before we achieve anything or earn any titles or you know, uh, conquer any mountains. <laughs> Simply yeah. the fact that we live is a, is a blessing and is a miracle of life. And, and with that very foundational sort of uh, first step of, of unconditional love and acceptance of ourselves, then from that point, can we extend uh, our talents and our uniqueness to other people um, to share that. So I want to dive a little deeper into the acceptance of ourselves because part of why I created this show was to be able to unpack the fact that that is not just a physical experience, that is a emotional, mental, spiritual, physical experience and much more. So accepting ourselves is such a complexity that most people suffer deeply with. And I often find that it may start in the body where someone feels fat or 
or um, insecure or um, not you know, confident or not lovable. But often when we go deeper into the seeds of that distress, there is a mental, emotional, spiritual component. So when you speak about really loving yourself ultimately and being a divine being in this wonderful opportunity to be incarnated at this time, what would be one of the ways that you would further language loving self beyond just honoring the incarnation of now. How does one really dive into that when it is such a multi-layered matrix? Well, I think it's interesting for me because uh, in my in my experience, we have the whole thing backwards. You know, everybody's focused on the body or focused on the job or the relationship or the house or the, you know, life experience. And for me, the thing that's really missing in our culture and in our civilization is the remembrance that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. That's the first step. That's the first awareness. And this is something that led me and inspired me to homeschool my children and to really step out of systems altogether as much as possible. Um, Because I know that if they are spiritually aligned, if they are connected with that awareness that they were created from divinity and in fact a divine creation, that right there from that point creates uh, an unconditional love and acceptance for yourself. It's almost as if you're judging yourself, you're um, participating in violence against this divine force. And if you have that awareness, you would not do it. So sometimes when I counsel people that have eating disorders, I don't really focus on the food. (laughs) I focus on um, the primary connection of opening up that spiritual connection. And when we really know that, we can stop judging ourselves. Because in a human form or personality form, if if we have brown hair, we want blonde hair. If we have straight hair, we want curly hair. If we have green eyes, we want blue eyes. You know, it's kind of the human condition to always be looking for what is wrong. And I think that this awareness of, you know, really understanding nature is perfect and it's expressing in all these different forms. So that means if that leaf on that sacred tree is perfect, then guess what? So are you. And you're Mm -hmm. perfect now, right now. Anybody listening, this moment, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what your physical body looks like, you are loved unconditionally simply for the fact you exist at all. Mm. Man, your children are so lucky that you're their mama bear. (laughs) Thank you. There are four children that you have, is that correct? Yes, I have four, but recently, if you read any of my bios, it started to say five. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's very confusing to some people, but I have my nephew who has lived with me now for seven years, and he is my spiritual son and like a child. And it's always been like, you know, I've always been very um, sort of uh, to the letter about that and differentiate. Well, I have four kids, and then my nephew lives with us, but so we've sort of just stop that and now I just say I have five kids. (laughs) So for all the parents that are listening, when you speak of homeschooling, have you homeschooled all four children? No, it's again, as everything in in my life, it's been a journey and I'm really about the blend. So I'm I'm very modern in everything that I'm doing and, you know, just like all of us and, you know, managing all kinds of different things of modern life. But um, I uh, I didn't, my older uh, boys went to a private school that was very academically based. And then later, due to financial um, circumstance, they moved to public school. And then on their own volition, they both came home to homeschool for high school. Oh. Um, and that was very interesting to me because they're both uh, extremely talented musicians. We We actually played in a band together when they were kids and um, became musicians together over an eight-year period. And I found out before they had gone into high school that they had not told any of their friends that they were musicians. And the reason they hadn't is because they felt such a danger in sharing their art uh, that they the judgment in school was so great 
that they chose to remain silent about it. Mm. And as an artist or someone who believes in the creativity of life as being our, our pure gift and connection to divinity, this was very disturbing to me because, you know, when you're young, you should be just, you know, sharing everything openly, freely. And I saw that this structure of school was actually uh, hurting them. It was um, making them constricted, more self-conscious. So um, they came home on their own volition and they did sort of a hybrid type of thing where they, they completed their school because they already knew the system very well. But we just went in and met with somebody once a month and they turned the work in and then they would finish their work in, let's say, two weeks and then have two weeks to write, write and record music. So that was their choice where with the little girls, um, I unschooled them. You know, I, I want to be clear because a lot of people say, oh, well, you homeschooled, you must be a saint and like a super, you know, organized person, which neither one of those two things is true. Um, but what I am... What I am is I'm, I am willing to break the system and I am willing to trust that which is beyond a school curriculum. And what I did is I did something called unschooling, which is I allowed my children a tremendous amount of freedom to be in nature, to explore, to create, and to find the things that they liked. And then if they found something that they liked, then I would rush to support that. But um, it was a very free experience. I didn't teach them to read or write as young kids. I left them, which was very controversial at the time. Still is, actually. Uh, but, you know, they both taught themselves how to read. And now they are in an environmental school for the last two years. And they basically caught up um, within four months. And they are developmentally a lot more expanded, spiritually and for social awareness and they're just very self-directing and very um very good in themselves i guess i would say um but they they have a math tutor right now <laughs> and then when you see them out in the world socializing with people that have not had that sort of upbringing or that opportunity is there a noticeable contrast do you feel that there is that sort of beacon of recognition that wow they've had such an expansive way of living and then most of the people out there have not and the difference is notable or is it more blended than that no I, I wouldn't say that I would say that you know the energy kind of attracts you know energy kind of attracts like so yeah. I think they find their 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 place what, what I would say is that I have found in my own personal experience that children that are homeschooled are usually extraordinarily um, developed in, yeah. in different ways. They're the ones that walk in, that look you in the eye, that say, hey, what's up? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I get the most sort of feedback on is how engaged my kids are and yeah. how not shut down they are. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think, it, I think it's kind of a, a natural, it's a natural thing. And I would say that, you know, our children are not... Um, did not miss out on socialization. That's kind of a tagline when somebody homeschools that, you know, kind of like when we say that we're plant-based and the tagline is, where do you get your protein? So the tagline for if you homeschool is, well, won't they be unsocialized? Won't you hurt them socially? <laughs> you know, that's what, that's, what's been ingrained. It's been implanted into our consciousness and it even exists in a planetary grid. It's like a suppression thought form that's been put there. But we, um, you know, I loved one homeschool mom. I can't remember her name, but I read a blog. And she said, I'm not socializing my children. I'm humanizing them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, that, and I even I even think there's a, an absence of shame in the homeschooling process, whereas in these schools, the shame cycle is so destructive. And I work in my own private coaching work with a lot of high schoolers, and I cannot believe the painful, shameful ways, just like you're speaking about your older children and this idea that their creative blossoming wouldn't be shared because of what may be the repercussion of that. That is so upside down yeah and so what is that telling us about our you know our school system and you know you got to understand that my husband is a stanford graduate and a cornell you know he has a law degree from cornell <laughs> so i you know i basically blew his 
you know, head off his shoulders when I told him I was going to unschool our kids, you know, like he was just like, what are you talking about? You know, but you know, the girls are, were very, very unique and, and, you know, our, our, um, 13 year old daughter, she didn't fit into any system. And, and the system in fact was even more harmful to her than it was to my older boys, um, because she was more sensitive and more unique and more kind of out of the box. And I think as parents, like, and, and just as people on planet Earth, I mean, we need we need some really quantum solutions, right? Yeah. So the last thing we need to do is put all our kids in the same pen and try to make them the same by teaching them the same things. We want to be completely open and go, okay, we're trusting God sent us a miracle. So what, what do you got? Who are you? (laughs) You know, enlighten me because the answer is in the children. It's not in us and in this idea that we have it all figured out. And, you know, even the whole, the whole thing that the way college system is run where, you know, we're, we're, we're slapping like $100,000 worth of debt on our young people before they even work their first job mm. because they got a college degree. And, you know, I happen to think that's not really the highest divine alignment no, to it's... put that energy on a young person. And so I don't know, but, you know, I'm the mom who, you know, my three boys all decided not to go to college. So they're, uh, they're recording a, a record right now and, you know, they're going for their dreams. So that's what they're doing. So awesome. And, and that's a great segue to the plant-based family that you have created and how much of that has seemed to be a very inspiring aspect to all of the ways it seems you're living your life in your family. And then this message that you're bringing out into the world that I notice is getting more and more receptivity and this new book of yours that's coming out called This Cheese is Nuts, which I just want to open the dialogue right away to the whole plant-based world that came into your life that you're sharing with so many people now. So take us through what brought you to the plant-based world lifestyle and now bring us up to speed with this beautiful new book that's coming out. Well, it was, uh, it's been a journey for sure. I mean, the, the story is, is that I was raised in Alaska and my dad was a hunter. So I was raised on game meat my entire life. Um, and so, um, you know, that's just the way that we ate. And, and then later when I discovered yoga, I started to feel a very, um, a disconnect between eating meat and practicing yoga and also meditating. And it really wasn't an intellectual um, like idea or decision, or I didn't say, okay, I'm going to give up meat. It simply dropped me one day. It was no longer congruent with who I was. And so I stopped eating it. And then uh, some years after that, I developed a cyst in my neck, um, the size of a golf ball and it came on very suddenly. And I had it diagnosed by, various surgeons at UCLA um, who told me that I would have to have a medium level surgery to have it removed and that there was no possible way that I could cure it on my own. And by this time I had really become um, aligned and in love with the, with Yogi system. And I had heard a lot about the science of Ayurveda, which is an Eastern Indian science of medicine that is passed down from guru to student. And it's kind of the, um, the secrets and the healings of the forests and the trees and the plants and, you know, earth. So I called a friend of mine who knew a, knew a physician and, and said, you know, can you, can you connect me? And I started on this journey with him where he put me on a plant-based diet predominantly. Uh, I was drinking some goat milk with ghee um, because he wanted me to drink cow milk, but I, I negotiated for goat milk. (laughs) So (laughs) Um, but that was part of a medicinal um, practice. Um, and I also went on a kind of a lifestyle prescription where I stopped working with clients on the weekend. I stopped working after 5 p.m. I started getting up at, you know, 5, 4.35 in the morning, prayers and meditation, um, and just started some, you know, some practices to rebalance, you know, my body. And the beauty of Ayurveda is that Ayurveda um, – uh, treats the uh, the divine organism, which is our body. So it believes that the body is divine and has all the intelligence it needs. So the herbs are taken and the diet is taken to restore the body to balance, 
So the body may heal itself, which I I love that distinction. It's very, very powerful. So against everybody's advice and, you know, with my husband, Rich, um, completely not agreeing with me, but he knows that I'm very strong-willed. And so it's not a good idea to try to tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) So he was biding his time and my family was calling him in secret. And every time I met with a girlfriend, I was confronted by what are you doing about that in your neck? It was very visible too. It was like ugly, huge thing. It wasn't like I could hide it. Um, but I just stuck with it and I felt like, you know, this is a gift and I have an opportunity to explore food as medicine. And up until this point, I hadn't really been eating food as medicine. You know, I had given up meat and then come to eat vegetarian, but I wasn't really focused on that last click of how everything that you take in your body is 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 affecting what's going on. So anyway, um, years passed. Uh, my husband was eating In-N-Out burgers. I did heal myself, by the way, within about a year and a half, completely healed 100%. It's never come back. Wow. And um, and then Rich had seen this happen, and then he had an experience. Um, he was still eating In-N-Out burgers, drinking obscene amounts of coffee, you know, greasy fried foods. Like, just it was crazy. If you looked in the fridge, you could see wh- what he was eating and what I was eating. It was clear. <laughs> um, but I had gone through sort of a spiritual experience of after seven and a half years of trying to get him to come on my my train, uh, and it just wasn't working. It seemed like the more I offered, the more paralyzed he became. So I um, I was working with an Indian master, a meditation master, and, and he suggested to me the concept of divine love. And he said, you know, divine love is like the sun. It simply shines on everything in creation without discrimination. And it's always shining. Mm-hmm. And he said, in contrast human love is a business arrangement and it says i love you if you do these things and if you don't do these things then i no longer love you so for some reason this really seeped into me and you know when you're taking ski lessons and somebody tells you the same thing and then the sixth teacher tells you that one thing and suddenly Mm -hmm. it clicks yeah it was yeah it was like that for me so I, i really did get it and it wasn't just lip service and i completely released rich to his own life in love in complete love. And he could feel the difference and was kind of unsettled by it. Um, And after about two months, he had his own experience of a health scare, felt like he was having a heart attack. And then he came to me and said, would you please get me herbs? Please help me. So that's been a journey. He went on and became a vegan endurance athlete. It changed our entire life. He started doing double Ironman races, eating plants, which was not on either one of our vision boards, by the way. We had no idea. And then um, we were very, we went through a financial collapse simultaneously throughout this entire time. And it was very long. It was like for seven years. Uh, And, um, you know, I, he was training for these very difficult races and I knew that this is what we needed to do, even though it made no sense whatsoever. Um, but I started to create food for him to fuel him on these races. So I would, he would go out the door to train and I would start creating meals. And by the end of maybe a year and a half, I had my first cookbook, which is an e-cookbook that's called Jai Seed. And, um, it's, um, it's, a uh, uh, it was just a very small book, like maybe 45 recipes or something. And what I said was, um, I just said, babe, you know, could you please just take the weekend and put this in a graphic form so that we can sell it, so we can try to eat, so we can try to make some money. And so he put it up and the first week it was like, you know, $10 and next week it was a hundred and pretty soon it turned into about, you know, 400 a week we were making off this e-cookbook and it was mm-hmm. actually feeding our family. It was like the only income that we had at the moment. Wow. So it was crazy. So then after that, um, you know, Rich wrote an amazing book called Finding Ultra, which, you know, also you know, took his story nationwide. Sanjay Gupta picked up our story, which I always thought was a, a beautiful, um, sign from God and just support. And uh, it was funny because the day CNN came to do a story on us and when he walked in, I was supposed to cook lunch for him and I was turning the stove on praying that it would light because we (laughs) almost never could pay utilities. So it was this very crazy juxtaposition of opposite realities. 
Um, so after, you know, after Rich's book, Finding Ultra caught on and, and uh, became a bestseller, then um, we had uh, somebody come into our life and become partners with us, our friend Greg Anzalone, who supported us in uh, starting a business, basically. And, and he came in with a crew and we started photographing um, a book that then became The Plant Power Way. And I was so inexperienced that I thought that I would shoot 99 recipes in three days. <laughs> wow. and no one else really knew what was going on. I was like, yeah, no, I think I can do it. So I did 66, which is still pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So when I turned the plant power way in, I have a very basic cheese section in that book with some warm cashew cheese. Um, and just literally the ink wasn't even dry yet. And I, knew that I had to do this next book. I had to do a book about vegan cheese, plant-based cheese that's made from nuts. And that's how This Cheese is Nuts uh, came to be. I love the title, This Cheese is Nuts. I think it's so creative and clever. And and the thing... I have a story about that that I'd love to share if I could. Oh, please, please. I did not come up with a title, but I have some dear, we have some dear friends that we met through the wellness community, um, actually at a Mind Body Green uh, Summit, Wellness Summit. And uh, they're a filmmaking couple named Zoe Lister-Jones, who's an actress. She actually has her first directorial debut at um, Sundance, which she stars in a film called Band-Aid that's coming out soon. And her producer and writer uh, partner, uh, Daryl Ween. And they actually made the first feature film about GMOs, and it's called Consumed. Um, and it actually stars Danny Glover, and it's a, a very amazing uh, dramatic presentation on why we should really care about GMOs and what it's doing to farmers and, you know, the, the whole scenario. So uh, Zoe and Daryl were coming over for dinner, and I was making some sample cheese, <laughs> and I was teasing them on Instagram. Like, I posted something because I knew they were looking. They were on their way. So they came and I had this big cheese board spread and they started eating. They were starving. And then Daryl just says to me, you know, he says, Julie, do you have a title? And I said, no. And he goes, this cheese is nuts. And I was like, that's it. So anyway, so I have to give Daryl the credit for naming my book. And, and uh, it's gotten very, very great response. So pretty cool. Oh, I- yeah, I was looking on the web, and I want you, before we go today, you'll tell everyone about the opportunity to win the possible trip to Ireland to study with you in Rich Roll. We haven't said your husband's full name, but Julie's husband is Rich Roll, and um, they're a power couple doing such great work in the world. But I do want to ask you, looking on the t- the timeline you just described, knowing the 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 intensity of everybody's curiosity about this work you're doing with the food, the plant-based food. How would you describe what's happened from the point where you're not sure if the oven's going to go on to now, the the electrical explosive energy around all of this? I can feel it here in Portland, Oregon. So what is your overview about the hopefulness about how people are catching on? You know, people now know the the problem with GMOs and that was something that was never concerned or or conversed about for so long so do you see optimism in this overview of what's happening with plant-based powered eating yes I really do and you know there's so many amazing people that are in this space that are working you know very very hard and expressing themselves with all their different talents and you know there's a film that was just released called what the health by uh, Kip Anderson and Keegan Kuhn and um they, they are uh, young filmmakers who did a film called Cowspiracy, um, which was an amazing film. And if you have any questions about the effects of industrial animal agriculture or if you care about the planet and water, you should see that film. Then they moved on to What the Health, which actually addresses the very, very serious consequences of eating dairy, as well as the incredible addictive quality of the, um, you know, casing that is actually in the dairy. So we've seen, I mean, Rich and I have seen firsthand people's lives completely transform and it happens in different levels. You know, it, it can save someone's life from a physical death 
Absolutely. Within the beautiful thing about plants is when you're eating, and when I say plants, let me just let me just make this distinction because I think a lot of people project onto you when you say I'm plant-based that you eat raw food. And let me just make that distinction that I'm not, I don't eat raw food, you know, only. I eat about 70% cooked food and about 30% raw food. And that varies a bit with the season. But to become plant-based, you don't have to eat lettuce. Like that's not, that's not your life, you know. So um, let me just say that. Um, but what I wanted to share is that, you know, there are people who have uh, diabetes, heart disease, and these conditions are literally reversed, reversed from eating plant-based, from stopping to eat animal uh, products and dairy. Um, wow. So it can be like that. It can also be a, a deeper, I think it's a deeper journey, actually, and this is where my commitment comes to this. What it is, is it's the first step in connecting you with your authentic self, it's the first step with getting the density away from you so you can feel yourself. So if you don't know what you were meant to do on planet Earth, if you've never found your groove, if you feel disconnected, confused, lost, lonely, any of these things, look at what you're eating. And I'm here as living proof that if you change your plate, you will transform your life. And if you transform your life, you will live your authentic blueprint. And by design, you will bless everyone around you. Now we're back to embodied. So now we've taken a beautiful journey back to the whole meaning of embodied. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that is, is what a beautiful mission you know, so I just marvel at creation that we've been given this mission, that really the most important thing any of us can do is to know ourselves. That's our number one quest, to know ourselves. So, you know, ultimately, that's that we're all one. It's consciousness, right? So there, there is no other. But at a very human level, it's about, no, you were made as this unique individuation. And it's about balancing both. So you know that you're one consciousness, but you were very specifically created. And we need you to play that at the highest capacity because you are a needed part of this community, you know? Yeah. And that's the beauty. I mean, how lucky are we that, that that's, all, that's really all we need to do? And this takes extreme faith and extreme courage and commitment to go against what other societal norms tell you is the right thing, like milk does a body good, or beef is what's for dinner, or how about animals are below me because I'm a human, and they're below me, so it's okay if I eat them. That isn't, all of those things are implants. They're not coming from you. I know that humans, if they had to, Slaughter and skin their own meat would probably not do it, almost all of them, because humans are naturally empathic. We are compassionate. We are loving beings. We all want love. We all want connection. We all want the same things. It's not human. That's why they call it inhumane. <laughs> it's not a human act. It's something we've lost. We've, we've gotten confused or we're believing somebody else's um, story, somebody else's opinion. And, you know, I, and I know it exists in the grid because I, you know, I've been vegetarian and then also plant-based for many, many years now. I mean, I'm a plant-based chef. I'm working in this area. And if I tune in at different times in my day, I can feel that implant, that animals are beneath me. I can feel it. So as a human being, we're not separate to these thought forms and these ideologies that have been put into the grid, into this energy that surrounds planet Earth. And part of awakening is coming out of that, is lifting our heads out of the water, looking behind the curtain and saying, you know, yeah, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say in a way what you're 
what you're making me feel is that we need to homeschool ourselves as adults. Going back to what you were saying about children, we've been brainwashed so deeply as adults. And so if we didn't get raised in the sort of holy divine home that you're raising your children in, then we have to do the same process in our journey, whatever age or stage we are in. Hopefully before there's a disease or something that is taking your life force, although that may be the greatest wake-up call for many. But what you're saying is to re-educate ourselves based on the brainwashing that we've received in our lives. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think the key thing for all of us is take responsibility. You know, everybody wants some you know, some guru or some messiah to fly down from the heavens and hit us on a wand and then heal us or a healer, heal me, right? Fix me, give me a pill, make it okay. You know, give me my Prozac, whatever it is. We just want, you know, we don't want to take responsibility. And what I'm saying is take responsibility. It's your life. You know, if you work yourself into a blip, this is what my Ayurvedic physician said to me at one point. And, you know, I was raised in business school in the 80s where it was like you take every, you know, every bit of business you can and you work overtime and you work weekends to show that you're, you know, that you're that committed or that you're that willing to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And what this doctor said to me is he said to me, he said, when you get cancer, is your boss going to come to your hospital room and visit you? Hmm. And I was like, uh, no, actually, he's not. I'm, I'm certain of that. And he was like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> and suddenly I was like, I don't know. What am I doing? You know, trying to measure up, trying to be smart enough, rich enough, you know, be, the, be one of the 2% that hits a home run. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So that kind of perspective gave me a pause where I was able to go, oh, wait a second, I'm creating my own life. It's up to me. So what I always say is if at the end of the day, you put your head on the pillow at night, let, you, let it be that you live the life you wanted to live, not the life that someone else told you. And this could be your mom, your society, your school, you know, any kind of belief in the grid, like milk does a body good, or where do you get your protein? How are you going to be plant-based? Where do you get your protein? <laughs> and then if you think about that question, which for those of you who are thinking that, because it, it, it is a widely, you know, asked question, it's, it's become, you know, a joke, actually, but it's the first thing that's asked. And, you know, we all know now that there's a lot of protein in many, many plants. Like you could even not pay attention and you'll get enough protein. Mm -hmm. And the other question that's kind of comical is everyone listening, do you know personally of anyone in your life that has ever been hospitalized for a protein deficiency? (laughs) Such a good question. (laughs) Yeah. and, you know, it's funny because on my podcast this week, I was talking about intu- intuition as wisdom. And I think this is a super important subject right now because with our new presidential uh, landscape and what's going on in politics and around the world, which is just like moment to moment, our minds are being blown like left and right. Like this could never happen. Oh, my God, that just happened. Right. So how do we know what's true? How, how do we function? Like, how, how do we know what's right? And the way we know what's right is we have to know what's right for ourselves. So we have to develop our intuition and not just look at what the face of a news story is, but feel beyond that. Learn. We have many more senses than just, you know, the five we've been dealing with. And if we talk about intuition, what is intuition? It's a gut instinct. It comes from the gut brain. If you look at the guts and the brain, they're the same matter. They look the same, right? So the guts are an evolute of the brain. If you have infection in your gut, you have problems in your brain. So we've lost our gut intelligence or our wisdom because we're eating animal products and we are eating chemistry. So how can we know how we feel? We can't. 
And this, I think, is what's behind why a plant-based diet literally will transform your life, physically, spiritually, and it will connect you with your heart's deepest desires that you, it, your heart knows this better than you know it. And that's, that's what's waiting for us in this lifestyle of plant-based living. And that's the deeper truth you speak about with the plant, when you do the plant-based essential diet, you will access the deeper truth that is the gateway to knowing your authentic self. Yes. And I don't have any commentary on what that design is because I know I'm not asking you to be like me. You, you're not like me. My journey will look completely different from anyone else's journey. What I'm saying is that because I know we all come from creation and we all are divine, that you are a divine emanation of God. And so for you to live that blueprint is what we need. I don't need anybody to be like me. I need you to be like you. Yeah, yeah. So I have a question for you. Who has been or what lesson, what has been your greatest forgiveness lesson? Greatest? Oh, okay. Yeah, I have a big one. Um, my greatest forgiveness in my life was I, um, I was very, I, I did not have a good relationship with my father. And it's actually only all come into kind of focus and been wrapped up for me in the, in the recent years of my life. But I never connected with him. And um, it was my divine design. Um, it's in my Vedic chart, as a matter of fact, that I have no opportunity for a good relationship for my father this lifetime. Huh. So it isn't it so it's fascinating. All this stuff actually can be seen inside of Vedic astrology. You know, if you look at Vedic astrology, it's very specific. It's, it's crazy how exact it is. Um, and the gift of that, of me being able to say that, is because when you know that, then you can stop being personally offended or hurt by the fact that it's not other than what it is, you see? Yeah. So it allows me to take responsibility, that responsibility piece. Wait, I'm a divine being. I plan my life in co-creation with this being who agreed to be my father and play that role for me. So it's divine, even though we had a lot of difficulty in our personalities. It's for my evolution. So um, that, as a consequence of that, I believe, and also an exposure to drugs at a very young age, having been raised in Anchorage, Alaska, which was an international gateway for drug uh, trafficking. Um, and it was like the Wild West. I was the fifth kid, you know, like um, there was no sort of like social divide between any class of people. It was really crazy. So I did a tremendous amount of drugs at a young age. Um, and I had a lot of promiscuous sex in my early teens, trying to connect that male desire to, you know, plug that in. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> Just like, but anyway, it, it was very... Um, very traumatic. I, I suppressed it and kind of dealt with it myself uh, for many years. And, you know, it took me a long time to forgive myself for that because I'm a deeply feeling sensitive being and to open myself up at that in that way was very um, traumatic for me. And uh, that was the probably that's the biggest um, stage of forgiveness that I went through in this lifetime. Hmm. And when you're faced, you mentioned Prozac a moment ago, and I wondered when you're faced with an emotional experience that is not calm or gentle or divine, as you may call it, do you allow that to go through you and then come through you and back out of you? Where do you go to process something that would be on that scale of more difficult, um, fiery, upsetting. How does forgiveness and disruptive emotion work within your deepest truth? 
Well, you know, first of all, I'm extremely emotive and I want to make a comment, like you said, you know, that I raise my kids in this, you know, holy way. And I, it makes me giggle because, you know, there's a lot of yelling. Like I'm a very emotive person. I have a very real relationship with people in my life. I'm not, it's not about me being like with my hands in prayer and everything's always, you know, easy. Um, I think expressing yourself is very, very important. So we've cultivated a way to express um, emotions authentically without being um, hurtful to other people. So it's kind of the way that you language it. Like I'm feeling this right now, but it can be intense. Like it's not, it's not like it's not. Um, But then after that's expressed, I feel like if you don't express it, that's an opportunity for trapped emotion to turn into disease or imbalance. So you really have to, right. Okay. You have to be clear about it. You, You can't like go, Oh no, I'm fine you know, and if you're not, and then after that, um, I do it through yoga and meditation. You know, it's in that practice. If I'm really, really, really traumatized, I get on the mat and start the physical movement and start to work that energy through. Um, then after that, or alongside of that, I do breathing practices and, you know, even with when, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 55 this year and I went through, you know, menopause and, and shifting, you know, into a different cycle of life. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, I'm feeling kind of some heat. I guess I better call those centers and like find out what one does when you go through menopause. And, and, uh, you know, I called and they were like, okay, you can pay a thousand dollars and we'll, you can call us anytime. And I was like, what? Like, you're like cultivating, you're basically saying that women are going to lose their marbles and then you're going to be there to talk to them on the phone but you know you're going to charge this entry fee and I was just like I don't know like there has to be another solution because this has happened since the beginning of time so like how do you handle it so you know I don't take any anything um I went into meditation and I do I did spinal breathing for like a month and everything went completely away just simple pranayama inhaling and exhaling up and down my spine for you know, 30 minutes twice a day. So that's how I balance uh, pranayama, is, which is basically a breathing practice. It's a it's a, na- a, a Vedic name for a breathing practice. And it, it involves breathing um, mindfully through left and right nost- nostrils to balance the brain, left and right side of the brain. It's one of the simplest things that could probably change everybody's life drastically, but probably almost no one does it. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And I loved menopause. I found it to be so liberating. And the heat part, all of it for me felt very special. I I don't know, I I, I celebrated it. And I still feel there's so much language that needs to be given to the process of menopause for women so that it is not suppressed, or put to a drug or a hormone patch or something that is thwarting the natural flow of it. I find it very exciting what happens in the body and the spirit and the mind with menopause. So I'm a menopause fan. Well, that's beautiful to hear, and it's definitely uh, an, an, a belief and ideology that needs to be spread far and wide because there's so much negative connotation that's associated with it. And, um, you know, there's a beautiful teaching in the Vedas which um, says that it's in this part of our life that we are the most creative. It's like we have had the children and done that part of life, and now this is where the actual immense creativity happens. So it's really a very special time of life and not a time of life where, you know, uh, the, the belief is, well, the woman's been used and that's it, you mm-hmm. know, so now there's no, no need for her anymore. Quite the opposite. I think yes. it's an explosive time for the female. And it's so exciting because we have this chance to be in the world on the planet without making sure our babies are safe and growing. And now it's time to really expand that growth. And I love it. I love it. Um, Julie, I want to make sure because our time is so fast today. It feels like we've been talking five minutes, but <laughs> we have to wind down. And I want everyone to know about this app that you and Rich Roll have started that really does give people an understanding of how to become plant-based simply, easily. And and then I want to hear a little bit about how to get listeners involved in your social media, your book, your opportunity to go to Ireland, 
give it give it to us so we can okay, make great. sure everyone gets yeah, it. So we we actually simultaneously launched uh, this cheese is nuts um, along with. Uh, uh, the plant power way meal planner and the meal planner is a surface that actually provides uh, just a, an amazing amount of recipe support and food support for a very very inexpensive it's like a dollar 90 I think a week and you can enter in the all your um, you know like if you're allergic to anything all your preferences likes dislikes the size of your family um, all different kinds of variables and it will provide for you an entire database of plant-based recipes um, it's an extraordinary uh, service um, that we've done in in partnership with our partners Alexis and Micah from lighter world and these women are amazing individuals uh, the platform is working amazingly and we're just so, so happy to be able to offer plant-based support to families all over the world so that they can uh, find embracing a plant-based lifestyle just easy and simple and creative and expansive. So um, you can find out more about that on um, uh, richroll.com. And then also we're launching uh, This Cheese is Nuts, which, which is my first solo book. And we are uh, giving away a free spot on our retreat um, that's coming up in Ireland. We're going to Ireland to this amazing manner. And Rich and I co-teach these retreats called Our Plant Power World. And it's a week of plant-based cuisine, uh, yoga, meditation, running through the forest, amazing workshops on relationship, creativity, sustainability, families, um, just we, we really go sort of for the full life experience. And these experiences have been literally life-changing and we're building a community, close tribe, um, that is gathering together people that have been on these trips. And so we have 66 of us now that are part of the Jai tribe from our plant power world and the next 30 from this trip will be added to that group. So it's an amazing community. A lot of people are co-creating together our partners um, and attendees from the first Plant Power World retreat. Claire and Andrew Davies have launched a wellness company in, in Australia, and they brought us there for two big events in Sydney and Melbourne, and they produced their first wellness events, huge success, which was really great. So anyway, if you order um, three, we're asking that you order three copies of this cheese is nuts pre-order and um, you can enter to win. Uh, the information is on ourplantpowerworld.com, also at ritual.com and also at srimati.com, which is my website, S-R-I-M-A-T-I.com. Um, in addition to the Ireland retreat, we haven't announced this yet, but I'll announce it here first. We're giving away five free annual subscriptions to the meal planner service as well. So you can find out um, on those sites how to enter um, to win. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. What a pleasure to speak to you and to know you. And I want you to know the tagline for this show is you complete you and you just brought that home today beautifully. So thank you very much. A pleasure. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin. 